call, or what I would submit to you, the call of discipleship. With regard to the call of discipleship, there is the scope and then the straightforwardness of this call. Jesus said, if anyone comes to me, the Lord Jesus extends the call of discipleship to anyone and everyone, doesn't he? You remember in Matthew chapter 11, Jesus said, Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden. The invitation extended to all people. John 3, 16, the golden text of the Bible, For God so loved the world that whosoever believeth in Him. The whosoever would encompass the entirety of the human family. So the Lord Jesus is interested in all people. He's interested in in our well-being, spiritually speaking. So the scope of that call, but then the straightforwardness. The Lord Jesus was very transparent in His teaching, wasn't He? He said, if anyone will come after me, if anyone comes after me and hates not, loves less, father, mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, He said, yes, even His own life, He cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Then in verse 33, Jesus said that those who would follow him must be willing to forsake all. Now, that's quite a statement, isn't it? Because when you think about the straightforwardness of this call, there are no hidden agendas, there's no concealment as to what the Lord means here. He's simply saying, look, if you want to follow me, you need to understand something. There's a standard that I'm going to hold you accountable to. There's a standard that you're going to have to adhere to. So, the call of discipleship, but now think if you would for a moment or two about the challenge of discipleship. What Jesus is saying in Luke chapter 14 is, If you want to become one of His disciples, first and foremost, it's going to test your passion. Listen to Him again. If anyone comes to Me and does not hate mother, father, wife and children, brothers and sisters, He said, He cannot be My disciple. Now wait a minute. You're telling me that I've got to love the Lord more than anything and everything? That's exactly right. You remember Jesus said in Matthew 22 that we're to love God with all of our heart, soul, and mind. This is the first and great commandment, right? So the Lord is going to test in regard to our discipleship, first and foremost, our passion. How much do you love me? If you want to sign on the dotted line and become one of my disciples, then you've got to be willing to love me preeminently. More than anything and more than everything. But not only is it going to test our passion, it will test our priorities. What is first in your life? What's the most important thing in your life today? Jesus said, look, I come before anything and everything, and that includes your own being." Right? The willingness on our part to put Him 
first in life. Listen to Jesus, Matthew 6, verse 33. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. That word first means before anything else in time or place of order. Put Him first. And Jesus is saying, look, if you want to be my disciple, you need to understand. It's going to test your passion. It's going to test your priorities in life. Listen to what Paul said, Colossians chapter 3. Set your mind, set your affection on things above and not on things which are upon this earth. In verse 4, Paul said, For Christ, who is our life. Paul there simply saying, Christ is my life. It is, it is ultimately what is the most important thing in the Christian life. There is not even a close distant second, is there? And then in Philippians chapter 1, verse 21, Paul said, For to me to live is Christ. That was the summation of his life. So with regard to discipleship, it involves a choice, doesn't it? You've got to make a choice. You've got to decide, are you going to, are you going to follow the Lord? And if you choose to follow Him, to understand that there are some prerequisites. It's not about what we want, what we think, what we surmise, but no, it's about what the Lord wants, what the Lord demands. There's a second thing. First, discipleship involves a choice. Secondly, Jesus said discipleship involves a cross. Jesus said, listen to him, look at Luke 14, verse 27. Whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. What does a cross signify to you? A cross is symbolic of death, isn't it? What Jesus is saying is, number one, you and I have to be willing to die to self. And let me tell you what, that is easier said than done, isn't it? I mean, typically, don't we want our way? And don't we want things as we want them? Our will sometimes takes precedence. And what Jesus is saying is, you've got to be willing to crucify your will. Not about your will anymore, it's about the Lord's will. Jesus said, if anyone desires to do His will, can we do the will of God? Well, the answer is yes. But it involves our will. Now let me just say this very quickly. Typically, we do what we want to do, don't we? And Jesus is saying here, look, if you want to be my disciple, you've got to be willing to die to self, to crucify your will. In Matthew chapter 16, verse 24, Jesus said, If anyone will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. We are, in many respects, selfish people, aren't we? I mean, you think about the age in which we live, society today. For many people, it's all about what they want, what their will is. That takes precedence before anything and everything. And Jesus is saying, look, if you're going to sign on the dotted line and become one of my disciples then you need to understand something. You've got to relegate your will to the Lord's will. You've got to be willing to die 
to self. And not just die to self, but also to die to sin. To crucify not just your will, but your ways. As Paul would say, you've got to crucify the world. Hear what Paul said, Galatians chapter 6, verse 14. God forbid that I should glory, except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world was crucified unto me, and I unto the world. When did all that take place? When we made the decision to become a Christian, didn't it? You remember in Romans chapter 6, Paul talks about how when we're baptized into Christ, we're baptized into His death. A death takes place, doesn't it? We put our faith and trust in Jesus as the Son of God. We repent of our sins. We confess His name before others. And then we're buried with Him in baptism, at which point we contact the blood of Christ. But we die to the love and the practice of sin. Paul would say in Romans chapter 6, Let not sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in its lust. In other words, you've got somebody else on the throne now. It's not you. But rather, you have crucified yourself, your will, your ways. You've crucified the world, per se. It's all about the Lord Jesus Christ. So think about it for a minute. There is a standard, right? The question is, do we meet the standard? Are we meeting the expectations? Or is it possible that we are living a substandard Christian life? I think one of the real challenges in Christianity today is rising up to meet the expectations set forth by the Lord Jesus. So you think about what the Lord's saying here. And Jesus is saying discipleship. Discipleship involves a choice. You've got to make a choice. I have to make a choice. Number two, discipleship involves a cross. And we take that cross up every day and follow Him, don't we? Jesus said, whoever it be among you that does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be, cannot be my disciple. If you're not willing to die to self, to sin, to your will, to your ways, and to the world, then Jesus is saying, listen, listen, you can't be my disciple. There is a third thing that Jesus talks about here. Discipleship involves... A choice, a cross, and number three, a cost. There is a cost attached to becoming a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. First, the illustrations. Jesus uses two illustrations to make his point. The first, he cites a builder. The second, he talks about a battle. Listen to him, Luke 14, beginning in verse 28. Which of you intending to build a tower does not sit down first and count the cost whether he has enough to finish it? Lest after he has laid the foundation and is not able to finish it, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build 
and was not able to finish. If you have any experience at all in building, you know that you've got to get your finances in order before you ever begin laying the foundation, don't you? You want to make sure that you've got your money in place before you lay that foundation and launch out into the deep. And Jesus is saying, look, before you build the Christian life, you need to count the cost. You need to understand what's involved in becoming one of my disciples. And the question, really, that we might ask today, did we really understand the cost involved in becoming one of His children? Do we, involve, do we understand that cost today? The second illustration that He uses has to do with battle. What king? Going to going to make war with another king, does not sit down first and consider whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000. Or else, while the others a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks for conditions of peace. All right, so now you've got a king. He's thinking about going to battle. But he's only got 10,000 troops. The other king's got 20,000 troops. Before you launch out onto the battlefield, you better make sure that your army of 10,000 can successfully stand up to the 20,000. So what's the point again? The point is, you better count the cost. You better make sure before you sign on the dotted line that you have counted the cost. So, by way of obligation. Did you know that, as I said a moment ago, there are expectations? What is it the Lord wants from me? What's the Lord looking for? Number one, He's looking for workers in His kingdom. Let me go back to the illustration He used of the builder. Here's somebody who's going to build a tower, going to build a house, He's going to lay the foundation, and He's going to finish what He started. The Lord Jesus needs people who are willing and able and desirous of working in His kingdom. The kingdom is a vineyard in many respects. In other words, it's a place where people work. Paul said, we have been created in Christ Jesus unto good works. Works are characteristic of the kingdom of God, right? The Lord wants us to be involved, to be industrious. Jesus said, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Now let me ask you a question. Is it possible that we are guilty of offering God substandard service in the kingdom? Now you think about that for a minute. Are we offering God substandard service in His kingdom? We give our best on the job. We give our best in the classroom. When it comes to our hobby, we give our absolute best. We're the best when it comes to hunting. We're the best when it comes to fishing. We're the best at doing this and doing that. But when it comes to serving in the kingdom of God, we fall short. We're substandard. You think it's possible that we just... Throw God the crumbs when it comes to our service in the kingdom of God? 
And then, is it possible that we offer God substandard sacrifices in His kingdom? How much have you sacrificed for the cause of Christ? What have you done by way of sacrifice to advance the cause of Christ? Powerful question, isn't it? How often do we put our wants and our interests before the kingdom? We talk about sacrifice, we preach sacrifice, but do we really sacrifice? Jesus is the great example of sacrifice, isn't He? And you remember in Philippians chapter 2 when Paul said, Have this mind in you which was also in Christ Jesus, who existing in the form of God counted not being on an equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied Himself taking the form of a servant, being made in the likeness of men, being found in fashion as a man, He humbled Himself and became obedient unto death, yes, even the death of the cross." Is there any greater sacrifice than that? So what about you today? Have you sacrificed your time for the kingdom of God? I understand we all have obligations. We're all busy in life. How much time have you set aside for the cause of Christ? Paul said we're to redeem the time because the days are evil. With regard to your talents, have you made any sacrifices to use your talents to further the kingdom of God? Do you have the ability to teach? Do you have the ability to share the gospel with other people? Do you have the ability to encourage? Do you have the ability to provide food for those who lack Food during difficult times. There are a lot of things with regard to talent. Whatever your talent is, are you using your talent to the glory of God? Or when it comes to Christianity, are you offering God substandard sacrifices with regard, number one, to your time, and number two, with your talents? And then let me just throw this in. Are we offering God substandard stewardship in His kingdom? Paul said that that which is required of a steward is that a man be found faithful. 1 Corinthians 4.2 How faithful are you when it comes to your treasures? And you know, we lay aside every first day of the week, don't we? Is it possible that we spend our money on ourselves and throw God to crumbs? Substandard giving. It's real danger. There are going to be a lot of Christians in the body of Christ, listen to me please very carefully, who will lose their soul because of their giving or lack thereof. You read in the New Testament how much Jesus emphasizes earthly treasures. God has blessed us abundantly. 
We are materially wealthy. I get that. And in 1 Timothy chapter 6, Paul said, Charge them that are rich in this present world not to be high-minded or trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God, who gives us richly all things to enjoy, that they may be rich in good works. To use the treasures God has blessed us with to advance His cause. So with regard to the danger of substandard Christianity, are we offering God substandard service? Are we offering God substandard sacrifices? Are we offering Him substandard stewardship in His kingdom? Are we substandard in our studies of God's Word? If you're not spending time in God's Word every day, if you're not reading and studying and meditating and trying to grow in the truth of Almighty God, then you are a substandard Christian. Peter said, as a newborn baby, desire the sincere milk of the Word. Why? That you might grow thereby. Knowledge does not occur overnight. But sometimes we have people who have been in the body of Christ for 10, 15, 20 years and they still don't know the plan of salvation. They still have no idea why we partake of the Lord's Supper every first day of the week. Couldn't defend the one church if their life depended on it. Have no idea why men lead our worship services. The Hebrew writer talked about those who ought to have advanced in their Christianity, should have been able to teach others, but he said, you have need that somebody teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. How far along are you in your studies of the Word of God? Do you know more today than you did when you started 2020? Do you know more today than you did when we began 2018 or 2015 or 2010? If you're not growing in the Word, something's not right. What about your supplications to God? Are we offering God a substandard prayer life? Jesus said that men ought to always pray and not faint or grow weary. Look at the life of Jesus. Note how much time He spent in prayer to the Father. Didn't Peter say Jesus left us an example that we're to follow in His steps? If the Lord Jesus spent a lot of time in prayer and we say that we're His disciples, what do you think that says to us? Don't you think we ought to be spending some time in prayer to God? Look, God communicates to us through His Word. That's why we study and read and meditate on the truth of God. But we are to communicate with God through prayer. So what about your prayer life? David said, evening, morning, and noon will I pray and cry aloud. So God, God is looking for workers in His kingdom. Number two, God is looking for warriors in His kingdom. First, the builder. Secondly, the battle. Did you know we're at war? In the Garden of Eden, the devil threw the gauntlet down against the human family. He has waged war against the human family since the Garden of Eden. If you're a child of God, 
and you don't perceive that you, and you don't understand that you are at battle, something's not right. Paul said, fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on life eternal. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, Paul would say, endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Put on the whole armor of God that you might be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Listen, we're at war. Peter said the devil walks about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. You will never make it in Christianity if you are a pacifist, spiritually speaking. If you have this idea that you're not to be militant, that, you're not to, that you are not at war, the battleground is life, is the world. The devil's trying to destroy our faith, and we've got to arm ourselves for the battle, don't we? The Lord needs, the Lord needs warriors today. The Lord Jesus Christ needs people who offensively will take His gospel into all the world. The world in which we live is resistant to the gospel of Christ in many places. We live in a day and time when people are hostile toward Christianity, but we still have the responsibility of breaking ground with the gospel, don't we? The marching orders have not changed. Go therefore make disciples of all the nations. Go into all the world, preach the gospel. Defensively, as a warrior of God, can you defend your faith? Can you defend the cause of Christ? Peter said in 1 Peter chapter 3 that we're to sanctify the Lord Jesus in our heart and be ready to give an answer, a defense to everyone who asks us of the reason of hope that's in us with meekness and fear. Can you do that? If somebody were to denigrate the cause of Christ, diminish the deity of Christ, could you stand up and say, whoa, wait a minute. You need to understand, this is what the Bible teaches. Can you do that? The Lord needs warriors in His kingdom. He needs workers, and He needs warriors. If we're not working, and if we don't view ourselves as a warrior in the kingdom of God, then we're living a substandard Christian life. So to understand, the Lord Jesus is very transparent. And Jesus is saying, look, if you want to be my disciple, here's what's going to cost you. Let me, let me just sum it up like this. If somebody were to ask, what will it cost me to become a child of God, to follow Jesus? I can tell you in one word, everything. It will cost you everything. If you're not willing, if you're not willing to give Him 110% of your life, I want to say this right now. Do yourself a favor and don't become a Christian. Somebody says, that's awfully harsh. Look, if you're not willing to be all in, no sense in signing on, on the dotted line, no sense in becoming a child of God. Because you were lost before you became a Christian, you'll be lost as a Christian. Jesus is saying in Luke chapter 14, discipleship is not for everybody. It's not for everybody. If you're not willing to pay the price, it's not for you. If you're not willing to put Him first, to seek His kingdom first, to be here at worship on Sunday morning, to be at Bible study, to read and study and pray, if you're not willing to do that, to be involved in the work of the church, listen, Christianity is not for you. 
Stay in the world. Enjoy the world. But now, if you want to be one of His children, enjoying the blessings of Christ, the hope of heaven, then you're willing to submit everything. You remember that song we sing, I Surrender All? All to Jesus, I surrender. That's what it means to be a Christian. Have you surrendered all to follow Jesus? That's what Jesus is saying right here. He's saying, if you want to be my disciple, you've got to be willing to surrender, A-L-L, all. So they ask you, have you surrendered all? Do you believe Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God? If you haven't obeyed the gospel, today's the day, but make sure. Before you walk down the aisle and say, I want to be baptized into Christ, you make sure you've counted the cost. That you're up for the task. God does not need half-hearted servants in His kingdom. So if you obey the gospel today, what can you enjoy? Pardon from sin? Peace with God? You can have the opportunity of praying to God 24-7. You'll have His presence every day in your life. You'll enjoy the promise of heaven. If you're here today and you are a child of God, and your life has been substandard, you haven't met the expectations, could we pray with you and for you? Could we pray with you today so that you might resolve? Make the decision right now. You're going to live for Him day in, day out, come what may. You're going to be faithful until the end of life. If you do that, the crown of life awaits you. So today I ask you, when it's all said and done, will Jesus say to you, well done, good and faithful servant? If He's not going to say that on the final day, my encouragement to you is make things right today as we stand and sing.